Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. This is episode four and I'm Rachel Bowman here with my husband, Jason Bowman. And we're excited to be sharing our hearts with you again. And thank you so much for listening to us. And so this week we have decided to kind of go into a topic that doesn't really get talked about, especially with the language that I think we're going to use tonight. And that topic is leisure. Better way of also saying it would be maybe even freedom. Right. And the art of leisure. But, you know, honey, what do you think of when you think of the word leisure? Yeah, I think freedom is a good a good word. I think it leisure implies like a capacity for being in awe or being um in in peace uh, with the world. Um and also of receptivity, I would say. Um this topic is so on my heart right now. Like um I'm really excited to talk to you about it. The, and I think for just everyday language purposes, when we're talking about leisure, we're talking about lack of busyness, lack of yes, just things that we don't really do. You know, even when we're kind of relaxed, we're still doing something, aren't we? Most of the time. Right. It's that work a day world mentality that we sort of get in this habit of. I think we're all, to some degree, um, guilty of that. Even when we're not at work, sometimes, you know, we don't find it easy to have true leisure. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I, like, even if you're just waiting somewhere, you're usually scrolling through your phone or would you include that in the, in the busyness factor? Absolutely. Unless, you know, when you're looking at your phone or whatever, it is flowing from, um, a place of, you know, what I would say, like contemplation, uh, meaning not, not, not talking specifically about prayer in particular, but, but also I am talking about prayer because, um, I would say true leisure implies that you are in a mode of receiving reality as a gift. And so everything is kind of like nonchalant. It's not something that you have to do you just have to be you know yeah I mean I think um just a few weeks ago I was reading or somehow came across this random article about um I'm probably gonna get this wrong the guy who wrote Hamilton I want to say Manuel Miranda someone's probably gonna tell me that I'm wrong and that I said something wrong but um he was on against a deadline to write a bunch of songs And he would just sit there forever, you know, at his keyboard and sitting there trying to do all these things and and hopefully something would come out and he'd write something and it just wasn't happening. He was trying to force it. He was trying to force it. And so finally he just gave up and he went and played with his daughter. And while he was playing with his daughter, he wrote the songs. The songs came, (laughs) you know, it was like this outpouring of inspiration from being with his daughter. And I'm guessing that's what you mean by exactly. I think that just acknowledging that 
he had to be inspired um, and that he had to receive it and um, and that that beauty resulted when he was actually at leisure rather than as a result of grinding his teeth and working it out and forcing it you know he was able to just relax and be and it flowed you know from his receiving and from uh, that capacity for leisure but I think as a culture um, especially in the United States um, we have a sort of mistrust in things that come effortlessly do you, do you agree with that do you know what I mean yes like yes anything that comes to us just um, easily we tend to we either tend to overthink it or right. like when it's done we think that something right. was probably done wrong yeah we you have know. to, we, we feel better about it if it took like... A lot of effort. Yes. <laughs> right? And where do we see this too play out, you know? In your in your spiritual life. Exactly. And in mass or at church. Well, we like, we sound like we <laughs> practice this, you know, but we didn't. This is pretty great. Um, we should be on that Pyramid 1000 show or whatever. And, and that, um, that, that tendency to feel like you have to do something like at mass... You could coin it in calling it activism. So what does that make you think of, Rachel? I mean, can you speak on that? Um, in relation to mass or just yeah, in relation or just, to you know, life? Like, no, in, in particular, like... Um, Spiritual life. Yeah. I mean, I think in relation to mass, um, <laughs> I was just telling uh, some friends last night that I had to give a, a talk, a retreat at one of the local high schools here. And at one point I had made a comment that a lot of kids say that mass is boring, you know. Right. Um, and I said, actually, you're you're probably just really boring. It really has nothing to do with mass. <laughs> you're just really boring. Um, and, and by that, I think that goes towards that whole activism thing. You know, we kind of go, we do a lot of things to be entertained, you know, or to somehow not have to really do much but maybe we paid a bunch of money to be here like if you're in relationship to like a concert or people that got to go to the super bowl or something like that you just think you know i just shelled out a few hundred bucks to get this ticket so you better entertain me and mass you kind of expect the same thing i got out of bed to get here so right i mean this better be good but and and i would say that it's not wrong to expect that Primarily, you go to Mass to receive, but what you're receiving is an affirmation mm. of your identity as a child of God, as image right. of God. The other end of the spectrum is to imagine that when, um, you know, uh, the document from Vatican II talks about active participation of the lady, that that necessarily means doing something, you know, like rather than simply being and uh, receiving right. that, that tendency to think that we are going to posit into existence. Um, so it's almost disposition. Oh yeah. It's disposition for sure. Um, and I would say that that is that activism that we see in the church is a result of, of an overall culture crisis that we have where we have now we have failed to see reality as a gift anymore and we have we have 
failed to be able to relax in abandonment that the Lord is with us and that we're going to be okay and we can rest in his love. We, we rather see that as, as sort of um, shaky ground like we were saying before. We, uh, we don't trust that. So then now I become um, the source of my salvation and of, um, of bringing forth goodness in the world. And so now it's on me. So now all this burden gets placed on our back. You know, we take on the whole worries of the world. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so, um, and, and we're not meant to carry those burdens. Remember, right. I mean, there's even, you know, there's even just a level of, of trust that has to come with finally going to sleep at night, you know? Right. And so we bring that anxiety to mass. And so we think like, okay, for me to participate in mass, I have to do something. I have to, you know, um, I need to be in ministry in some way or, and see what that betrays is the, is the fact that, no, you're, you are a child of God and your identity is not in what you do, right? It's, it's in who you are and what you do, our work is um, an expression of of man's contemplation of his identity, right? So, right. so being precedes action. So, and I mean, that's one of the so maybe one of the issues that happens is that we tr- we tend to act before we have taken time to be. Exactly, because w- and, but that is an, a result of an anxiety of not ho- knowing who we are. And not accepting the goodness that in which we were created as Imago Dei, as the image and likeness of God, and so in this anxiety, we we um, we feel like we have to do something in order for um, to be accepted, or or um, even with relation to God, we apply it to God. Like, okay, for me to get to heaven, I have to do this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and we start to see the church and all of its beautiful rules, or if you will, as as you know, a task to be achieved rather than guidelines to help you live out the reality that you are already, you know, um, a beautiful child of God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say that one of the questions that we get asked a lot when we go to give talks is, you know, what, how do you do this? Like, how do you strive for holiness, or how do you? discern your vocation and how do you, mm-hmm. because we desire action, you know, right. we've, we've given into this culture we want a method, right? We've given into a culture of methodology. Right. And so instead of just being, we have chosen to say, well, you know, if it worked for so-and-so one, two, three, four, five, then I should just do one, two, three, four, and five and it'll work exactly. for me. Yep. And I mean, that is really the result of, um, partly the result of uh, the philosophy of a man named Immanuel Kant, who basically posed to uh, us that real knowledge or wisdom uh, is is the result of us of of our work. You know, so basically, and what that means is that nothing is is a gift. It, nothing is received you have to work in order to gain knowledge or to gain wisdom and to to build up a society, you know? And so as a result that there goes leisure. 
No longer can you just rest in this mode of receiving from the Lord truth and then in part in that truth being that you are good and that you are an image and likeness of God. And so then from there, from that standpoint, your work can be can flow from that leisure, from that contemplation of who you are and can be an extension of who you are. If you recall, um, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but this is pretty good. In Genesis, when um, after Adam sins, you know, what does the Lord tell him? Do you remember about r- with regards to work? Oh, that he would always work for the yeah, toil of the land. Exactly. Right? See, now you have to work, right? Before it was more leisure. It is leisure. In fact, leisure is a prerequisite of worship. You cannot work worship. Do you know what I mean? And I right. think that. I mean, we were just talking about this with the youth not long ago. We imagine in order to enter into worship, we have to do something, you know. But no, it's a being. It's a receiving, you know. Yeah, I really uh, want us to make a T-shirt that says, get back to the garden or something about, you know, journeying back to the garden. Because that's really, <laughs> really what we're doing. If anyone does that, please send me royalties. Um, but the... That's really our goal, you know, and that is also not just our goal, but that is the goal that Christ has set before us, is that not only is is the intimacy and the leisure that were available in the garden still available to us now, that there's even something better than that. Oh, yeah, in Christ, you mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, he has introduced humanity, the human nature, into the divine essence and elevated our nature above even the angels now so yeah I mean um, the dignity of being human and sharing that with Christ Jesus the Lord you know is is a is something you can't exhaust you know it's a beauty that is beyond and in fact you know that is what we should be about is you know contemplating the beauty of of the gift of who we are and then what and then from that flows how we get to express who we are through our work in the reality that's given to us you know for me you know as a physician assistant in Lakeland you know at, at my work in that sense too uh-huh. yeah i mean we get very consumed with um the world's idea of success and and work yep and it, we go so far as to forget because leisure, like we were talking about earlier, the, the, the beauty of leisure is that that's when the most inspiration will come. It is. In fact, I think it's the only mode of being in which true wisdom and knowledge can result. And the word philosophy comes from philos and sophia, which means a love of wisdom. And love uh, implies a free giving and receiving, right? It's not work. Right. You know, uh, so wisdom isn't a result of our own arduous work that we posit into existence, you know, through our toil. You know, we, we're not the source of it, so. Yeah, I think one of the, <laughs> the biggest issues, and especially, you know, like with, with you, Jason works like an average of, what, 70 hours a week, something ridiculous. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anything less than that is a pretty sweet week for us. And then, you know, we have 
three children, soon to be four children, all under the age of seven. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, life can get really busy where you're just doing, you know, you're not really being at any time. You're just kind of, you know, I need to, um, make the beds or I've got to make sure I've got dinner on this time and got all this stuff done at a certain time. And even with you, you know, you're at work and you're working and then you come home and then we, we even take different vocational roles and we turn them into work when they're meant to be leisure. Oh yeah. I mean that whole work a day world mentality, we're at danger of living in it all the time. And, um, instead of, you know, me contemplating the beauty of my fatherhood and then from that flows all of these, you know, mundane tasks of making the bed and making the kids dinner and all that. And it being a beautiful thing that sanctifies me, which is how we should operate, you know, it becomes like um, a burden, you know, because I've forgotten who I am and I become a cog in the wheel, you know, and instead of man, uh, the Sabbath being created for man, man is now created for the Sabbath in my mind, you know? And so the end of, of what I'm doing is the work itself, which is, it is hell literally, you know? And so how often do we, you know, even go to mass and it's a work for us? We're like, yeah, I got to go. I got to check, you know, that box that I've made it to mass. And we've totally missed the entire purpose right. of our existence, you know? Right. It's, I mean, it's sad. We need an awakening. We do. I mean, our orientation just has to always be correct. You know, so I think any time that we feel that, that tension of, of forgetting who we are, that that's the first thing we have to check is our orientation. Mm-hmm. I mean, today I was bringing the kids home from school and, um, I call it the witching hour cause like three o'clock, everybody's ready to die. Mommy included cause I'm just really tired and then they're all <laughs> tired. And so that's so weird. No one else experiences that. No, my kids are just, you know, crazy. I'm just kidding. But we were driving back and there is this uh, we have this playlist of ridiculous kids songs that we always listen to in the car and so I had this playlist going and of course like any other time they're singing like really super loud and Jim is totally off key and only knows every other word and then the boys are like shaking the car because they're dancing so much and so today I just enjoyed it you know it was yeah. just laughing and I was singing off key with them and just having a great time. And I remember thinking like, it's so much better when my orientation is towards the heart of God. Right. And again, leisure took over for you there. Right. And you were able to, because you could catch me at a day at a day when I'm not orientated correctly and oriented. Stop it. Did I make up a word? Orientated sounds so much better and much more official. So, um, (laughs) but whatever words you just used, when I am turned correctly to the right person and to the knowledge that I am as child, then I am much, I'm I'm not in the car going, uh, turning off the music. You know, you guys are being too loud. I've done that, you know, or, you know, mommy hates that song. We're not listening to what does the fox say again? (laughs) <laughs> it's a fantastic song. <laughs> but that's, I mean, it's so true that we forget. Right. And it is so easy to do it in everything that we do. You know, that's what it says in Colossians, you know, that in all that you do, let all that you do be for the glory of God. Right. 
And that is from in that mode of leisure that we're speaking of. I think it's important we speak about what le- what leisure is not. What is leisure not? Well, love? it certainly is not, you know, binge watching Netflix, all of your favorite episodes of Vampire Diaries <laughs> while you eat two bags of Doritos. Why did you use Vampire Diaries <laughs> and Doritos? That because was I, really mean. <laughs> <laughs> I have never. Okay, maybe. Uh, so, but so anyway. There's, there's a difference between leisure and laziness. And I, I think that, and, and again. Laziness it, has much more of a negative. I need you to say like slothfulness, right. something like okay, that. Okay, slothfulness. Like, sorry. That's much sorry. better. Thank you. Um, I mean, I, I want to read a quote from um, Joseph Pieper's book on leisure where he says the vacancy left by absence of worship, you know, the vacancy that's left by your inability to have leisure and truly worship is filled by killing time and by boredom, you know, and uh, because pleasure like this, this time when you're not working or even that is boring. It's it's fleeting, you know? And so people recognize that at least when they're working, they're busy. And so they're more happy in that workaday world mode than when they're not because they have no capacity for leisure anymore. That is so sad. It is. I mean, so incredibly and, and, sad. and how often... Do we see that? I mean, but we do it. We start it at a very young age. At a very you young know? age, because you know we we're not taught, you know, to to see the beauty of a flower, to right. walk and see the greenness of the grass, and to have awe and wonder at the beauty of creation, and to receive it as a gift. Gosh, we, we all just need to spend blind. time. We need to spend time with the babies and the kids because they are just so much more right. oriented towards yeah. what they should be oriented towards. I would towards. say that women, and especially since you're created uh, to be more uh, innately receptive, I, I think have a better ability um, nowadays. And m- men tend to see this type of leisure as unmanly. You know, they've been trained that, you know, oh, if in your leisure time you better be watching sports, you know, you better be doing some kind of work. Because to sit there and, and contemplate the beauty of nature or to read scripture and to receive it, not exegete it to death, you know, not try to pick it apart and make it, you know, uh, a mechanical study, but to receive it as a person right. and, and contemplate it and, and, and be drawn to tears by the beauty of, of this life, you know. You you know, I think men in particular are under attack w- with their time for leisure. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe women are in a different way. But as a man, that strikes me. No, I mean, I definitely think that women are, especially um, mothers. I wish we had some of the, the School of Humanity group here because I'm sure that it's different, you know, whatever stage in life you are in. But the, the enemy for sure is attacking every every person regardless of gender or state in life in their ability to have leisure you know even with with myself as a mom you know you just feel like you always have to be doing something and as a wife you know I've always got to make sure that this is done because this is this is part of my vocation my nurturing aspect has turned into something that is no longer a blessing to be nurturing but 
you know, the enemy tries to take that and turn it into something that makes it into work. And even with the children, um, I love, of course, uh, parts of the educational system that we have, but there are things that are leisurely, such as reading or, um, or just, you know, regular work that becomes much more of a working task. You know, my, my son has a very large AR goal, you know, and so it's a beautiful thing, but it turns for reading to him. If if I make it a race, it becomes work. Like last, last, last semester or something, we put it off way too long. And so I had him reading like a book every night (laughs) and um, it just becomes tough and it, it robs that moment of joy. It is. And, that, and that's that Kantian and Cartesian philosophy that's infiltrated even our education system where, I mean, w- honestly, when we study something, it should be with leisure. And how much more do we learn when we do it because we love it rather right. than because, you know, I have to get a good grade. And even even the fact that we have to have grades, you know, I, I question that. And I, some people are going to think I'm crazy for that. But I mean... And Jason was a good student. He got all A's. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, but, you know, when you study, like when I study philosophy and theology, I'm not taking any classes. I'm not being graded, but I love it. And, and so right. I'm more capacitated to receive it and remember it and do well with it than if I'm having to arduously work at something that I don't really, I haven't been shown the beauty and I have no awe of, you know. I'm just doing it because I imagine that, you know, success equals work. And that I've got to just grind it out if I want to have success in this life. Right. What a bleak view of life that is. You know, they. Um, I know we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but I wanted to share from um, Father Mike Schmitz, you know, the stuff that's out there from Ascension Press that is great. But he had done one not too long ago about, you know, how much sleep you get. And he used an example of one of our beloved Holy Fathers who said, that when he would go to bed at night, you know, he'd have an extremely busy day, of course, as Pope, and he would say, God, I'm going to go to bed now, and you take care of your church. Right. And it was just this this act of finally trusting and abandoning, you know. Right. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And Father Mike, if you ever want to be on the podcast, you can be on the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it takes trust to be who you are. And it takes trust to allow yourself to be in leisure. So may this week for you, our listeners, be filled with at least a few minutes of leisure. Yes, with freedom. Not even listening to us, (laughs) (laughs) but listening to the heart of God. And we can't wait to be with you next time. God bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.